So I'm just going to pick up where we left off. We we spent a few weeks uh, talking about Christ. Well, talking about the way um, that God led Israel in Egypt. Well, out of Egypt and then in the wilderness, and and it's just a word. It's one of those. Let me turn this down a little bit here. Okay. It's just it's one of those. Um, one of those words that appears all over the the Bible, and then it's one of those words that Jesus gathers up into himself when he says, "I am the way he He is always i aming things he's always uh, speaking of the um, the testimony and and whether you are familiar with it or not, he certainly is <clears throat> he gave it, and he's gathering up that testimony. And he's declaring himself to be the spiritual substance of it. And, and one of those things that, you know, he did that with the door and with the vine and with the bread and, and a, a whole host of other things. But he could have done it with every single aspect of, in one way or another, he could have done it with every, pretty much every aspect of the testimony. Um, there's a few aspects, I mean, there's some things in, in the, te- in the old covenant, which I'm calling the testimony. Um, that point to the other side of the cross, like, uh, for instance, Saul and Cain and Ishmael and Esau. You know, there's some things that point to the thing that God has rejected, the fallen man, the wrong man, the wrong seed. And, and, and in a sense, you couldn't say that, well, no, you know what? Christ fulfilled all that too, because he became that man and, 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 and he was made sin. He became a curse and he became the cursed one that is hung on a tree. And and so really, I mean, the whole thing really just speaks of Christ in so many different ways, and so many different. Uh, uh, it, it just a, a multitude of of views, or um, I don't know, perspectives that God has seen that He first testifies of in in pictures and shadows, and then brings to spiritual fulfillment and realization in Christ. Well, the way is another one of those things. And and what is the way? Well, the way, well, I mean, like anything else, you can simply say the way is Christ, but what does that mean? Um, any seven-year-old Sunday school uh, student will will tell you that you know if you ask any question they'll say Jesus is the answer and that's true it's the right answer but what in what sense or, or it's it's one thing to know that Jesus is the way it's another thing to know the way that is Jesus and so what is what in what sense is Christ the way well that's kind of what we've been talking about and we've we've seen that um we've seen that God puts you in his son and and then grows you up or causes you to mature or causes you to put off one man and put on another he he causes you to take on to be conformed to the image of that of that son and that journey that transformation that progress uh is the way 
And so it's not a way to get from one place. It's not just the way to go to heaven or the way to get saved or the way to uh, find the true religion. Or I mean, in, in a sense, I suppose you could say all those things are true too. But that's certainly not the that's certainly not the the real heart of the matter. The, the real heart of the matter is that God desires to take your soul out of one country, kindred, and father's house, out of one realm and nature and false light and, 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 uh, and, and bring you into another, well, he takes you out and he transfers you over into another country, kindred, and father's house. He gives you another father. Formerly the, the, the devil was the, our father and now he, we have a new father and, and formerly, um, the sons of slavery, the sons of disobedience were our kindred and, and now, or, or you could say we, are, we talk of our natural kindred uh, as well, but the, the point is he brings you into Christ and then something needs to happen there. He doesn't just put you in there and say, man, I'm glad I got another one in, in Christ. He puts you in, in there and then he begins to show you, he shows, he takes your soul on a, journey of knowing and growing into and being filled up with um the the the, the fullness and the reality of what he what he has brought you into <laughs> and that's called the way that is and 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 as so as we've seen god did this mighty work in in egypt uh, it's a work that he describes we're going to maybe talk about it tonight if we get to it in exodus 19 i think we will Exodus 19 says, um, You have seen what I've done to the Egyptians and how I raised you up on eagles' wings and I brought you to myself. Now that's what God saw. That's certainly not what, Egypt, what Israel saw. I'm sure it's not what Egypt saw either, but it's not what, not what Israel saw. And yet it was God's view of, of his accomplishment, his great accomplishment through the death of that lamb. And and so what in the world did Israel need? What did they need? Were they just a bunch of escapees from a from a bad land and a bad man or what did they just need to have the sea open up and then say everyone, you know, run for your lives. And then, you know, God breathes a sigh of relief when he gets them to the other side. No. It's not that. Uh that's not the way. What does Israel need? And, when, and, and I'm talking really about you. What do you need? Well, you need the same thing they need. They need it. And what is that? They needed to, first of all, be brought into a great salvation. An unbelievable salvation. A salvation that is beyond... What mind, the natural mind can, can, no eye has seen it, no heart, no natural eye, no human eye has seen it, no human heart can conceive it, nor has it entered, or no ears have heard it, what, what God has prepared for those who love Him. And yet, and yet, God shows it to you. And He shows it to you in a very specific way, and that way is, in every step, the revealing of the one who is the way. The revealing of Christ. That's the journey. 
that's the journey. And friends, man, it, it saddens me that, that so few of us know that that's even what the whole thing is about. That, that it's, we have some other, you know, if I, if I use the phrase, the gospel of Christ revealed or the reality of Christ revealed in you, Christ revealed in the soul. That's a foreign thought to so many people. And yet that's the way. What was God doing with with Israel once they came out of Egypt? He, what was he doing? He was revealing his son. That's what he was doing. That's what the Exodus was. That's what the crossing of the Red Sea was. That's what the water out of the rock was. That's what the, and Paul says that. They were drinking from a rock that, uh, the substance of which followed them, which was Christ. A spiritual rock which followed them. The, the manna, what was that? That was Christ. Christ revealed. The, the high priest and, and, and I mean, the whole thing, the, everything in, in Exodus 19 and 24, which is what we're gonna look at. Well, well, we'll get to that. I'll get a little bit into 19 tonight, but, but 19 and, and 24, those two chapters have to do with Israel bringing, being brought into covenant. And, and what is that except for the revealing of what God did through the Lamb? What is that but an enlargement upon, an, an, a, a demonstration, an opening up, a taking the lid off of what God had done, uh, in, in the death of the Lamb, through the death of the Lamb? The way forward in your soul, the way that the thing that God is trying to do, He's not trying to get you to go a bunch of places. I mean, He may lead you to some place. That might happen, but that's not the real way. The way isn't from one city to another. The way isn't from, from one, um, theology to another. The way, what is God trying to do in the human soul? He is, first of all, trying to give you his son, to find room in your soul to receive his son. And and there's very few that even want that. There's many that want to be religious, but there's very few that have room in their heart for his implanted word and will let that word live there and will let that word do what it does when it does live there, which is divide and cut and clear the land and increase and bear its own fruit. So first he wants to give you that, that, um, first he wants to give you that life, to give you that son. And it, but it doesn't stop there. In fact, that's where it starts. The journey of the human soul. And I know I say this stuff like a broken record, but it's the only thing I know. <laughs> um, the journey of the human soul is God the Father unveiling the living resurrected son in your heart in such a way that he is progressively known and formed and glorified in you. And so every step of your you can do a million things for God as a minister or as a Christian or as a whatever and you and not take one step further in the way that God is trying to lead you. You can spend your whole life trying to serve God and not take one step in that way because the way 
is the revealing of the person. And uh, so, God, the, the way is not a, a, a specific kind of lifestyle. It's not a, a, a kind of uh, um, understanding or interpretation of Scripture. It's not. Um, it's not. I don't know all the things that Christians think 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 it is or talk about. What's the way? Well, you know, it's you gotta do these things, go these places, sing these songs. You know, don't do these things. That's God's way. No, it's not. The way is Christ revealed in you, and the only way that you're going to walk in His way and stay in His way and not go off in a different way and not become lost and do circles in the wilderness of your unrenewed mind for your entire life, the only way you're going to keep to the way is if your heart is fixed on those things above and fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of the way. Uh, so so God wants to, to show you the way forward, which is an ever-increasing um, revealing inward revealing of Christ and and the cross is the is the the, the the cross of Christ the death burial and resurrection of Christ is the establishing of that way and your whole life is the taking up of that cross or the walking or or the being obedient to that death and partaking of that resurrection your whole life he does it in 3 days he finishes the work in 3 days and your whole life is the is wake up o sleeper arise from the dead and christ will give you light so in in the old covenant in in, in exodus that's really what it is. I mean, that's what the whole book's about. It's about the revealing of Christ. Let anyone else say what they may. Um, if I have, if I have any, if I know anything at all about this book or about the Bible at all, I know in my heart that God is trying to show Israel His Son. He calls Israel his son. He says, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. He puts this people in his son by making them be baptized into the death of the Lamb. And then everything that he does from that point on is an, is an attempt to make them know this is eternal life that you know me that make them know the one in whom they live make them know this you have been given the spirit not the spirit of the world paul says in first corinthians chapter 2 verse 12 but the spirit who is from god that you might know the things that have been freely given to you by god the spirit of truth is coming the one who is with you will be in you and he will guide you into all truth he will take what is mine and show it to you That's what he does, and uh, and 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 that's that's the way. So, one of the things that we so so we looked at, you know, he 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 doesn't just when they're thirsty, he doesn't just you know drop some water bottles out of the sky or or whatever. He doesn't just you know have them come across a, a river. He very specifically shows them bitter water that they have to throw a cross into and it becomes sweet and they drink. Or or they have to, God stands on a rock. He says, I will stand on the rock and you strike the rock, strike me and I, the water will flow out of this. 
out of this rock or when you're hungry i'm not just gonna you know create a oasis with a you know drive through in the middle of it or something i'm going to have this picture of christ every one of these things it's just a picture of christ a picture of christ a picture of christ and um and one of those things, so we talked about, let's see, we talked about the water, we talked about, in, in two different instances, the water becomes this picture of Christ. I think we talked about the, talked about the manna last time, we talked about the, uh, I think we talked about the fiery serpents, um, and, and how, uh, just briefly mentioned maybe how Christ, uh, was, became that, snake bite became that curse for whoever looked upon it whoever looked up upon it would be saved and he he talks about that jesus himself talks about in john chapter three and 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 we're not you know we're not we're not just guessing about these types and shadows most of these are just plainly declared in the new testament either by jesus or by paul and one of the ones we skipped over last time was uh uh, in, in chapter 16, it, it, it's kind of introduces, and it, and it, it, you see it a bunch of other times too, but it introduces the concept of rest. Rest. What is rest? Well, rest is Christ. <laughs> I know we keep saying that, but Jesus, again, said something very similar to that. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me i'm gentle and humble in heart you'll find rest for your souls my yoke is easy my burden is light jesus said that about himself and so and then and then and then if that didn't convince you that he was the real rest then um hebrews chapter 4 should because hebrews chapter 4 looks at all the types and shadows of rest and then says yet there remains the true rest for you to enter into and while it does be diligent to enter into that rest i mean make sure you don't miss it Make sure you don't miss the rest. How, how do you miss the rest? Well, how did they, that's a good question. How do you miss the rest? All you have to do is just hold on to the man who never rests. All you have to do is just not let God circumcise from your soul the, the nature, the man, who is always striving and living by the sweat of his own brow and always manipulating and and working and 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 and, and sowing his own seed and trying to bring an increase of it a man that's laboring and toiling sowing to the flesh to reap a harvest of of unrighteousness all you have to do is 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 cling to that man and 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 you'll you'll miss the rest You'll miss it completely. That's what Israel did. There was a rest waiting for them. God called them out of Egypt to bring them into it. He kept talking about it the whole time. He brought them to the to the edge of where they would begin to experience it. And and what did they do? Well, they missed the rest. How did they do it? They they went astray in their hearts. They wanted to keep living. They saw God's rest as a threat to them. They saw it as their own death. They saw everything. They looked at everything uh, according to the gain of the wrong man. And and that's how they missed it. They went astray in their hearts. And God swore to them in his wrath, you will not enter my rest. You cannot maintain, you can't hold on to that kind, to that man, to that life. You cannot, you cannot hold, you cannot keep your life and come into my rest. My rest isn't for your life. My rest is the rest from your life. 
You see, that's exactly what the rest was always pointing to. If you try to bring your life into my rest, then that's, see, that's the very thing that my rest cuts off. My rest is the seventh day set apart from the six days of your work, of your life, of, of this natural creation. It's a seventh day set aside, sanctified, in which God is resting and you come out of those six days and you come into that seventh day. You see, you can't, you can't bring, or, 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 in, in Exodus, we, we start saying, in chapter 16, we start saying, you can't bring your work into the seventh day, and, or you'll be stoned. I mean, God was really serious about these pictures, and, and there was a guy caught, you know, gathering sticks on the, on the, on the day of rest, and Moses said, what should we do with this guy? God says, take him outside the camp and stone him. You know, and it seems like a pretty, pretty intense, pretty intense, uh, uh, consequence for picking up some sticks. Not if, not if the God, the God of gods and, and the Lord of lords is inviting the human soul into a rest and the only way in is not gathering into it, leaving behind, not trying to bring into it everything that you are, that you do, or that you add, or that you provide. It's it's leaving behind all those things. It's not bringing in your. Uh, it's it's not bringing in your works. It's, it's not just your works. It's not bringing in your thoughts. It's not bringing in your words. It's not bringing in what you've called your life. You none of that can come in to that day. Not not in truth. It can't really come into that day, and if it does, if you try to do it, it's it's rotten. It's it's filled with maggots. It's death. It's piles of stones on top of your heads. You bring it into your own demise. You bring it into your own death. And God God saw fit to to make that uh, man gathering sticks um, uh, a pretty pretty intense picture of that reality. That the rest of God. In a few words, the rest has to do with coming into something that God has prepared and living entirely on what God there provides and thereby and, and, and therefore bringing absolutely nothing of yourself, of your work, of your sweat, of your labors, of your understanding. You know, when they come into the land, Joshua brings them into rest. Uh, and, and, and what, what is God, how does God describe that? He says, you will be coming into this land where there are wells that you didn't dig, and there are cities that you didn't, uh, build, and there are plants, there are crops that you didn't, um, uh, sow and and plant, and and he starts describing this this land of rest as coming into the work of another, coming into, and even Jesus does that too when he's talking to them in John four, you know that they're coming into the work of another and they're coming into the harvest of they're 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 uh, they're they're part of the reapers that reap the harvest, but someone else did the work. Who who does the work? Well, he does the work. He does it in three days. He finishes the work and then you come into his work and everything that you think you're going to bring in to his day, to his rest, to his, um, to his Sabbath, 
is to your own detriment. It's 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 bringing in your own worms and your own death. There's a there's something in in the heart of man that just doesn't even want to rest. Well, always is is seeking to establish something of himself, to do something, to create something, to bring something, to gather something, to drag something in, to and and all of those things are. Uh, are, are forbidden. They're forbidden in Christ. They're part of the man who is cut off. There's this verse here in, in Isaiah 58 I was reading recently, and I liked how it describes uh, Isaiah Isaiah 58:13. It, it just gives a little snapshot of God's understanding of the Sabbath, and it says, "It says if because of the Sabbath you turn your foot from doing your own pleasure on my holy day." And call the Sabbath a delight, a holy day of the Lord, honorable. And you honor it, desisting from your own ways, desisting from seeking your own pleasure, and from speaking your own word. I really like that description because it's more than just, here you can see in God's mind, it wasn't just about gathering stakes, it wasn't just about you doing work. It's about stopping, desisting, cease and desist, you know, stop Everything that comes out from you, you find your pleasure in him, but you turn your foot from doing your own, your own pleasure and you, you stop from, um, your own ways, these three things, your own ways, your own pleasure and your own word. And, and those, those are the, uh, three things that he mentions here about enjoying his Sabbath. And what it, what that comes down to is the, the fact that the rest is from you. The rest is from you. I talk about this a lot, but man is, the, the, the human heart is so confused about what it wants and what it really needs. In a sense, it's, it, it, you know, you, you, in a sense, the human heart is, is always looking for some kind of a rest. We're always looking for some big, you know, vacation or, or some kind of big siesta. And, and yet, all that we do in our heart is we want to get things and take things and protect things and 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 manipulate things and and care for things and 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 the way that God designed your soul is actually to, is is actually to find rest in being cut off from all those things that you're spending your whole life trying to control to enter into the rest of another to, loo- to to be cut off from those six days and to come into the seventh man is so deceived about that and i think that's what jesus is talking about in john or in uh, matthew chapter 11 where he says are you you know are you weary and heavy laden if you are there's rest but you have to take this yoke what's the yoke that you take upon yourself well i think it's the cross why is it light why does he say if it's the cross why is it light because if you really learn him, if you really learn from him, then you, you, you lose the weight of, of carrying around this big, dead, fleshy thing that's like an octopus on your back, reaching and grabbing and taking and controlling and manipulating and, and, and protecting and that, that's what, that's what Adam does. You, you carry that thing around with you. This, this, it's like a, it's in a constant, uh, like uh, control spasm 
You know, I don't know a better way to say it. That's what Adam feels like. He he's always trying to to secure what he needs and protect what he loves and grab what he doesn't have and and, and he's afraid of losing what he thinks he has and and he's mad about not having what he thinks he should and 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 your whole life is just a whole bunch of that. You're, you you know, you're governed you're, you're the natural man is constantly trying to control his environment because of fear, really. It's the, the fear of death. It's the fear of losing the things that you call life. And you live in that reality and you, you sit under the weight of that. And God offers you a yoke that, that is a cross that will cut off that whole man. And you'll find it to be much lighter. You'll find that, that you're, that you're free from that giant octopus on your back that's always reaching and grabbing from a billion different angles and and you know using those little suction cup things to suck you onto a whole bunch of needs and 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 desires and things that you you think you want to get but you really want to just you just your heart really wants to just stop wanting them you know you're 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 convinced that if you just get them then you'll be happy and 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 your heart knows better the soul that god created knows that you want to just be free from from needing those things from wanting those things from from even desiring to take them to yourself and the and the yoke cuts that taking his yoke cuts that man off cut, that, that taking his yoke removes that octopus <laughs> That 7,000 pound octopus off your back. And you find yourself governed and moved and pulled and motivated by something that is not that. It's something that bubbles up from the inner man. There's, there's light. It's light and it's joyous and it's, and it's, there's no, there's no fear involved in it. It's, and, and there's no need to control it because you, you, it's, it's being poured out constantly like like a, a waterfall into your soul you couldn't you couldn't uh you, you can't even it's like trying to drink from a fire hydrant you know you you can't even get all that there is there's it's all there's always more and it's always more than you can handle that's that's something of rest it's 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 it has to do with resting from you. It has to do with being free from your true enemy, which is, well, it's the it's the natural man, completely deceived and governed by Satan. And God's rest will mean leaving those ways and those pleasures and those words and everything from that man behind. All right. Well, so we talked, I think, a little bit about some things in seventeen, and then eighteen, chapter eighteen, uh, is when Moses's father-in-law comes, and the whole chapter is about um, kind of uh, dividing up the the judgment um, within Israel, so that Moses didn't have to judge every. And, and I'm sure there's pictures there of the church or the or the, the judgment of one working through all. And I, I just don't see anything super clear there. I'm going to have a lot to say about chapter 18, chapter 19. Um, chapter 19 is really really awesome, and 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 maybe in the in the, in the time we have left, I just I I, I feel like well, chapter 19. Okay, so I said a minute ago, 19 and 24. Um, tw- 
20 through 23 in the middle of night is obviously in the middle of 19 through 24 but that's where Moses is actually up on the mountain he's receiving these laws from God but but 19 and 24 on the two ends the two bookends of that little section there um is actually where Israel Moses is preparing them giving them the words of the covenant and painting this huge picture that they're not they're not supposed to forget ever of um of what it means to be in covenant with God. So, as always, God's done it. He even says so in the beginning of chapter 19, 19, 4 through 6. He says, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, that's what he said he did. But what's he going to do with them now in chapters 19 and 24 is he's going to show them. I mean, that That's what God, what God saw was Exodus 19, verse 4, okay? He saw it, he did it, he accomplished it. And, 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 and yet, they, like us, have no idea what he did to the Egyptians. Not from his perspective. I mean, they, they saw some of the physical, um, you know, judgments or whatever, but they, they don't understand God or his, why he did it or what he was trying to show them. He, they don't have any idea what he means by raising them up on eagle's wings. I mean, I, I can imagine them just, you know, thinking to each other when, when Moses, says this verse to them yeah i must have missed missed that eagle's wing thing I, I must have been you know taking a nap or something and that brought you to myself they don't know any of this and so god says okay this is what i'm going to do to show you my view of what i did so that you can be found in my view, so that you can see as I see, that you can know as you are known, so that you can apprehend that for which you have been apprehended of God. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this huge outward, incredible, it's like a, it's like, you know, it's a living illustration, it's a testimony, it's like a big play, you know? Uh, I, I mean, that's a, maybe a crass way of saying it, but it, but, because it's not the spiritual substance in itself, but it is, it is an amazing uh, picture of that spiritual substance. It's it's a, it's an incredibly amazing picture, and what it involves, just in, in summary form here, is that God, um, in these two chapters, He shows Himself to be totally cut off and holy and pure. He comes down on a mountain and he's burning the top of the mountain, you know, the burning oven and shaking the ground. And he puts these boundary markers around the whole thing so that he says, if any flesh comes near me on the mountain, it's dead. Whether it's a, the, the flesh of a donkey or a chicken or a person, doesn't matter. It's going to die. And, um, and, and then this holy and pure God, um, there's a death and the blood is sprinkled all over the people. The rest is poured out on this altar, which is the cross. And a covenant is made. It's read before the people. They all say, we will enter into this covenant. And then God opens up the mountain, which formerly was completely cut off. Has the people, well, not the entire camp, but he has 70, all the elders, not just Moses and, 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 it's Moses, Aaron, Aaron's two sons, and 70 of the elders. And I, and I, I'm pretty sure that, you know, is a representation of the, the, the totality. It's, I think it'd be pretty tricky to have a couple million people climb this mountain, but, but the 70 elders, they, they enter in beyond these boundary markers that were totally, you know, cutting off all flesh with blood sprinkled on them 
having entered into a covenant. They go up into the mountain. And the, and the Hebrew there is literally in, they go into the mountain, not just, uh, onto the mountain. They go up in, up and into the mountain. They, they see God. They eat and drink with God. That is to say, they eat his flesh and drink his blood. They eat the, 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 the food of the new covenant and they do not die. And and what is all that? Well, I think that that's just this. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings, and I brought you to myself. That's what that is. The whole thing, it's like God saying, I want to show you. I want to reveal to you. I want to make known to you. I'm going to use these pictures and shadows. I'm actually going to do these miracles. I'm going to testify of myself in, in natural and in supernatural ways. Some of it's natural, like, you know, natural blood being flung with natural hyssop branches and natural altars. Some of it's supernatural. Um, clouds descending on the top of the mountain and and burning it with lightning flashes and loud trumpet blasts and shaking the earth you know both natural and supernatural testifying of the spiritual okay spiritual and supernatural are not the same supernatural is just outside of the realm of natural but it's still natural i mean it's outside of what normally happens in the natural but it's but it's still natural it's still something happening in the earth that's seen with natural eyes and um, has a you know has a spiritual source, but it's not spiritual in and of itself. But all of those things, the natural and the supernatural, testify of a spiritual reality to which you and I have come. We have not come, Paul. And this is so perfect because Hebrews says, Hebrews chapter uh, twelve, we have not come to the mountain that can be touched or that burns with natural fire or to the sound of words. We've come to the fulfillment of all those things. We've come to Mount Zion. And he, he goes on to say, we've come to the, you know, the, the, the fulfillment, the, the thing to which all of those natural things pointed to. He doesn't say we are coming to those things. He says we have come to those things, which, um, which things are all Christ. But I say all that just to kind of, and we'll look at more of the details of this next time. But in the very beginning of, um, chapter 19, God says this verse and he said, tells Moses, he goes, go tell the people. I'm going to read now four through six, not just four. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant. That's so important because nothing is outside of the covenant. Nothing, nothing of God is experienced outside of the relationship that He established and defined. You have to walk in the covenant. You can't just say you have a covenant with God. You have to know the covenant and walk in the covenant. Okay. Now that if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. Now I'm pretty sure that the sons of Israel didn't know what these words meant. At least most of them. I bet you Joshua and Caleb had some real flashes of light going on in their heart while they heard, um, 
this description, but I, I, I kind of just picture kind of like Jesus in the multitude standing, uh, around and, and, and proclaiming these words that were so real and true to him that came right there, spirit and life that came right out of the heart of the father and everybody looking around each other saying, did you get that? What, what he just said, you know, did, what was that thing about, you know, and, and just kind of walking away saying, well, with with one kind of criticism or another, I kind of feel like that's probably what happened here. And yet, I love how God just speaks out from His view. It doesn't change anything if nobody shares His view. It doesn't change what's real. God could let all men be liars and God be true. God, God is always so faithful to his view to his truth and he always desires that man comes to his view but he never alters his view or his it's like the it's like the uh, the analogy i've given before like if i had a, a, a son one of my sons thought it was a cat and and i i and started to meow and cough up hairballs and try to use a litter box and I don't know whatever cats do and uh and and I and, and kept coming to me looking for me to pet and and scratch behind his ears or whatever the the dumbest thing that I could do for my son would be to relate to him according to his view of himself that would be that would be um be a horrible thing to do to him to say good kitty and pet him and 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 clean his litter box and help him with the hairball extraction or whatever and that from his point of view that might be exactly what that poor boy wanted and yet the the most loving and good thing that I can do to him is to be faithful to my view of who he really is and to deal with him according to my view and to not even let his ridiculous view enter into the realm of my reality, to, to actually exclude his misunderstandings from my thoughts and my relationship with him, to, to give it zero credence whatsoever, to, to consider it completely Ill- illegitimate, and to be faithful to what I knew to be true of him. And so I would deal with him as a son. And, and maybe he wouldn't understand my dealings, but that doesn't, that, that doesn't make it wrong. And maybe he would misjudge me and maybe he would call me a bad pet owner and, 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 and he could grumble against me and say, you haven't changed my litter box in three weeks and, and whatever. And still, no matter how much he complained and meowed all night long or whatever, the kindest thing that I can do to him is to be faithful to my view of who he really is and to deal with him according to truth. And that's going to mean a whole lot of misunderstanding and that's going to mean a whole lot of blaming in his heart 
And that's going to mean a whole lot of missing each other. I mean, he misses totally missing what I'm doing and why. And it's going to mean a bunch of requests on his behalf that I totally ignore because they make no sense. You know, totally. I'm going to listen. I'm going to ignore everything that he says that comes out of complete and total nonsense and and darkness. I'm going to for his good for his for his own sake, I'm going to ignore it. When he wants to go get his rabies vaccination, I'm going to ignore him. When he says it's the most important thing he could possibly do for a cat, um and get his, you know, dewormed or something. I don't know. I'm going to just I'm going to be quiet. I'm not going to even respond. That's the nicest thing I can do for him. Are you are you are you following me here? I'm talking about your relationship with God and the fact that you don't know as you are known. You don't even know, and the and the and ninety eight and a half percent of your questions don't even make sense according to the relationship that he's established with you. And the nicest thing that he can do for you is to be faithful to his view. And that's going to mean that most of many, until light begins to shine in your heart, many things that you are asking and doing, and 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 you swear they're they're right and true, and you're just like Aaron. You say, you know, I put all this gold in the fire and out came this calf and it was supernatural and it was amazing and look at all these people dancing they all saw it and uh, you know and, and and god has nothing to do with that view and they're all saying together that israel this is the god let's 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 praise him this is the god that brought you out of egypt and god not in that case god doesn't even just want to be silent he wants to open the ground up and swallow them but in any, in any case, those questions and those things that come out of darkness, they come out of our, our completely false, ridiculous cat view of what God has given us in His Son. And, uh, and the nicest thing, and I need to hear this now too. I mean, I'm kind of speaking to myself right now, actually. But the nicest thing that God can uh, can do sometimes to us is just simply be faithful to His eternal view and purpose. It sounds kind of cold, but to scratch behind our ears would only reinforce the imaginations that are killing us. And I say that because that's what, that's again, getting back to the way, that's what God is doing here, guys. That he, he sees something that's real. He's done something that's bigger than they are and bigger than they can understand. And he's, he's, he's describing it to them and they have no idea what he's saying. You know, he said it in the very beginning. You know, go tell Pharaoh, Israel's my son, and I'm going to take them in three days out to into a relationship where they can offer up the sacri- the offerings that I want to receive. And, and I, they didn't have any idea what that was. They didn't have any more understanding of what that meant than Pharaoh did. And yet God did. And they come, you know... They have their own ideas about what offering up to God means or even who God is.
and and just I guess just wrapping this up now, but just kind of bringing it back into what we were saying about the way, the nicest thing, and nice is such a weak word, but the kindest, the most loving, the most perfect way of dealing with a a little boy who thinks they're a cat is to treat them like a son. The nicest thing that God could do to Israel after putting them in his son and saying Israel is my son the very the kindest thing the goodest thing the best thing that God can do for them is to reveal the reality the nature of that relationship and so that's what he starts to do in chapter 19 let me show you where you are let me show you what I did let me show you how it worked. Let me show you how unapproachable I was. And let me show you where you are right now. Let me show you how I accomplished it. Let me show you that there's a covenant that defines our relationship. Let me show you that it has to do with blood and death. Let me show you that it has to do with your death. I'm going to put the blood on you. It's not just the death of this other animal. That's your death. I'm going to, I'm going to pour half of it on the altar. I'm going to sprinkle the rest on you guys. You died on that altar. You were crucified with Christ. I'm going to show it to you. I'm going to bring you up. I'm going to bring you up into my presence. I'm going to let you see a vision of me, some kind of pictorial representation of, of me, and, and we're going to have food together. We're going to eat the same food and drink the same drink. We're all going to do it together. One body, one drink, one food, one spirit, one baptism. It's all going to be together in this mountain. And I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you what I've done. And one of them says, what about this golden calf thing we made over here? God, God just ignores the question. says, okay, in three days, we're going into the mountain. And someone else says, what about, the, you know, what about, I have, I have these great ideas, you know, about, or whatever. Where's the water, by the way? And God just keeps going. He just, he's, he's extremely faithful to his understanding. All right, I'm going to stop with that.